0: Hello, Halifax, and welcome back to another episode of the Haliblab, Halifax's small business blab, where we're learning stories about small businesses here in Halifax that you might be following, or maybe it's somebody new that you haven't heard of yet. Today, my guest is David Moore from T-North, and you may have seen T-North around the city at events. I first met David at a WordPress event, WordPress meetup about, oh gosh, Maybe it's been two years. It's been quite a while since I was at uh, WordPress and um, learned about the story of T North that night a little bit. But I thought this would be a great opportunity to share the story with Halifax for people who don't know you, Um, because I don't know if we see very much of T North outside of the peninsula. So that's one of the things I want to find out about today. But David, why don't you start by telling us? T North start. What well, well okay. First, what is T North because people are going to assume it's tea, but it's not just tea.
1: It's so- also an addictive drug. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Uh okay, well actually it's good to start at the beginning.
0: Start with what it is.
1: I mean before that. I mean how it came to be. But I mean it's a organic iced tea carbonated that's now mm-hmm. in a can.
0: Okay, so it's it's carbonated iced tea and I think that's what People wouldn't necessarily get just from the name. So it's is it a a substitute for
1: right on the says carbonated,
0: right? So it could be a substitute for all of those bad carbonated beverages that we shouldn't drink, right?
1: Absolutely. In fact, one of the reasons that we do what we do is because sugar sucks and Mm -hmm. pop sucks, and we don't add anything like that to our tea. Uh, For for. A couple of reasons. One is, you know, you don't need to have 40 grams of sugar ingested in your body every time you open a can of something. That's absurd. Um, the other is um, tea doesn't need it. You know, like the flavor of tea <clears throat> can be good if you make it properly. It's what I found out from working in tea for a decade. And, um, uh, you know, adding tons of sugar, adding tons of milk, you're just covering up what the tea should taste like. And unfortunately, a lot of people, especially on the East Coast, don't know how to make tea properly. <laughs> thing.
0: You mean you're not supposed to put the tea bag in the kettle and boil it all day?
1: Right, exactly. <laughs> and then when it looks like it's not dark enough, just add more tea bags.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, come on. There are probably hundreds of thousands of people across the Maritimes who drink their tea that way.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sure there are. I have met many of them. I have witnessed it. I had a, my partner that I started my loose tea company with. Um, we were visiting her parents once in Cape Breton. And I remember coming home. We came home at like two or three in the morning and we found this little teapot sitting on their stove on its own dedicated burner. And the burner was on like two or three. And they were asleep in bed and we were like, oh, they probably forgot to turn it off. And so we turned it off and it was like an instinct. Her mom got up, walked out, turned the stove back on, looked at us and went, don't you ever shut this off.
0: Again. <laughs> well, I, I have Acadian roots. My grandparents are French and they I it was almost the same thing. I don't think they'd leave it on overnight, but certainly they put the tea on first thing in the morning with three or four tea bags in the pot and leave it boiling all day. It was the strongest tea you could ever drink.
1: Yep. We call it, uh, she called it Cape Breton tea sludge.
0: It's probably very similar to Acadian tea sludge, yes. <laughs> so, okay, so tell us how Tea North came about.
1: Sure, so Tea North started technically in 2010. Um, I My grandfather owned a tea company when I was in high school called Darjeeling Direct. They imported two teas, green tea and black tea from Darjeeling India. And I, you know, I got to observe how that business worked when I was in high school. And, and I always had this kind of cocky feeling in the back of my head of, you could probably do this better. You know, but I was in high school and arrogant and stupid. Um, so in, in 2010, um, I called them up one day and I said, I'd like to reopen your tea company which had closed by then. Um, And he said, okay, why don't you, instead of reopening my tea company, why don't you study with another tea company that I had an affiliation with in Arizona and and go from there and see what you'd like to do from that. So my now ex-girlfriend and I sort of teamed up with this company in Arizona, and we (coughs) kind of got schooled on tea for a year and a half. And after about a year and a half we decided okay we're gonna do our own thing based on what we learned from you so in 2011 we opened Satya Tea of liquid wisdom Satya Tea liquid wisdom is what it was called um, it was a loose leaf tea company and we wholesaled and did online retail and we did that through till when it closed in 2017 actually um, but then in 2015, late 2015, um, the uh, hairdresser, Fred, who many people know in Halifax, uh, uh, used to occupy the space on Agricola and North Street where Changyard Cider is now. And he had a cafe there at one time and said to me one day, why don't you come in and try running a pop-up tea shop and see what that's like and see if you'd like to get into retail, like brick and mortar retail. And it was always something that my partner had said, yeah, let's do this. It's a good idea. And I had never really been keen on, but I said, whatever, let's try it. So I tried it for three months, and that was called t North. And the whole reason behind the name was a tea shop in the north end of Halifax. So we did that for three months. I did that for three months. And then from October to December, realized I do not want to be in retail, especially in Halifax. Um, but it was really like I was up every day. I was burning out. I had my other job as well. I just was constantly on my feet. It was not what I wanted. So I left. So T-North, the tea shop closed after three months. And I was left with this company name, T-North, sort of as a vacant bubble. Didn't know what to do with it. But for some reason decided not to get rid of it. And then in March twenty seventeen twenty sixteen. 2016, um, one of our wholesale customers asked, could you make a bottled tea beverage for us? And I said, sure, sounds like fun. Uh, and it worked out really well, and it was called Tea North, and it was in a thin plastic bottle that wasn't carbonated, it was completely flat, and uh, uh, it totally, totally messed up. Oh yeah, it was. It was like the worst thing ever. Sometimes it tasted good, but sometimes it would last a day. Sometimes it would last two days. Sometimes it would last two weeks. And it wasn't dependent on the batch. It was dependent on the bottle. So I mean, it was all over the place. And it was driving us crazy. And for two or three months, it drove us up the wall and, and through a whole bunch of loops. And then one day, we tried switching in things like citric acid to see if you know, certain preservatives would help us keep it longer. Not only did they not, but a health inspector found it one day had gone bad, and I was like, well, great, now we're just we're really screwed. <laughs> so um, at that point, it was around June 2016, and um, I went to John Allen, the uh, owner of Propeller here, and said to him, "Because I, I had gone to elementary school with his kids, and so I sat down with him, and I said, look, this is what I'm doing, can you recommend anything that I could do better? And he said, first you should go into glass bottles and we'll sell you glass bottles. And then about a week later, he said, you know, we have extra space in the uh, old production space at Goddard Street, why don't you move there and work on your stuff there? So I did. And that's where, then I was around like beer brewery folks all the time and somebody whether it was him or his staff, I can't remember. Somebody said, "Why don't you try carbonating?" Just as like a joke, and I said, <laughs> "Yeah, okay, why not?" And I did, and it was like ninety-five percent of our problems went right out the window.
0: So the kind carbon- of
1: yeah. So it kind of it makes an inert environment in the headspace where tea is heavily affected by oxygen. So that took away most of what. We were having problems with and tea north the carbonated iced tea in a glass bottle became a thing so we were there so or sorry go ahead
0: it, it became a thing kind of because you were in the right place at the right time kind of yeah, yeah. and a then random, random joke from somebody who knew you and it turned into a new product yeah
1: pretty much uh, and then it turned out that there's only maybe five of us in the world who make carbonated iced tea. So, you know, for somebody to say, Oh, I've never heard of a carbonated iced tea, not surprised. It doesn't happen very often. Um, you know, so then from there, we, we did shelf life testing for the most part, right? We're like, okay, it's gotten rid of our two week painful shelf life. Well, how long can we take it? Right? Seven months. So we have a product that lasts seven months. It's completely shelf stable. It doesn't need to be refrigerated, which, you know, unlike certain things like cold brew coffee or kombucha, that's a big factor with those things. You don't have that problem. Um, And we were at the for about seven months. We were there until February 2017. And then we moved into a shared kitchen space with Riot Snack Bar. Mm -hmm. And through 2017, we were there. Uh, into December until they closed. And then we were spaceless for five months. We were working on back stuff and just kind of freaking out. Where do we go? How do we produce? What do we do? Um, And at that point, this was now in, I guess, like January, February this year. um, I said, I'd like to change it up again. I'd like to move away from glass bottles and I'd like to move into cans which is where it's packaged now, mm-hmm. just recently, and um, and so in May we found ourselves a space. It took a lot of finding. We found a space. We moved in. We started setting up the cans. Cans have taken a really long time to get off the ground properly, but I don't ever want to switch back to bottles.
0: Why? Well, so, what makes the cans so much better?
1: Sure. Uh, well, here's the first thing I'm going to show you by standing up imagine if I took a glass bottle and just dropped it. What would happen? It would go everywhere.
0: Yeah, it would probably shatter.
1: So Here's the first reason. It doesn't break. <laughs> that was the first. Nope.
0: Thing. nope, that didn't break.
1: Nope, not at all. So um, that was the first thing. It It, it doesn't break and glass breaks and that creates a big shipping problem. You know, we couldn't sell online with glass bottles. And as you know, I'm an e-commerce web developer, so selling online was a big sort of proponent. Proponent, I wanted to be able to include in T-North and since I wasn't able to for two years, it was very frustrating. Um, our new website, which I'm trying to finish, takes a lot of time, um, will have an online store that we can ship all over the world.
0: Right, because you've switched to cans.
1: Yeah, so that was one reason. Another reason was uh, shelf life. You know, bottles are completely, in our case, were completely clear, so they were exposed to sunlight, which doesn't help with Mm -hmm. shelf life. Cans are completely light-tight, so we should have a better shelf life that way. Um, One of the things that we wanted to do for the longest time was add color. We had a lot of trouble with labels and, and the price of labels to add color, but now with cans we have added color. Right. So they are big and bright and beautiful all over the entire town. Mm-hmm. In six different kinds and six different colors. Yeah. So but, tell us,
0: how many, you have six flavors then?
1: Yeah, we actually, we started with 12, mm-hmm. then we paired down to nine, then we paired down to five, And then one day I made an extra one and it stuck. So I kept it. Um, uh, But to give you a comparison on flavors, you know, with Satya tea, I had 482. Wow. Yeah. And we blended all of them. So, you know, unless they were a plain tea, which there was a few. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, I've blended so many teas in the past eight years that um, I could come out with a different iced tea every week for five and a half years, if I was insane.
0: Okay, so here, here's an idea for you. Sure. I've tried moon mist tea.
1: No, what is that? <laughs> a thing?
0: Moon, mist. moon mist, like the ice cream.
1: Gross. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be terrible, I think.
1: Wait, is that an idea, or did like David's Tea already do that?
0: Oh, I have no idea. No, I was just thinking of uh, one of the bakeries here in town did moon mist cheesecake, and it that was no sense. huge. It was it made huge. Way more sense.
1: I mean, we could almost do a pumpkin spice thing; it might blow up. You know. Yes. Now,
0: pumpkin spice probably would actually be good in a tea.
1: It might. Yeah.
0: Probably would. Uh, moon mist. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Anyway, so in our change into this facility that we're in now, um, I, uh, and in going to cans, you know, a lot happened with these cans. We, uh, we went certified organic, where we were just said we were organic before. It was always kind of a big thing for me that I wanted to say, we do care about our product. We're not just saying we're organic. We can actually back it up, too. And so we're certified organic in Canada, the U.S., and Europe. Wow. Why? Just because they said it was the same price to do all three, and I said go for it. <laughs> yeah, um, we're certified vegan now. Not that we sort of weren't before, but we are now. Right. Um, yeah, and so you know we've really just stepped it up a bit. We wanted to step it up a bit. Um, okay.
0: So, so where where does the inspiration for your flavors come from? I see one is blueberry something.
1: Sure, so actually Blueberry Rodeo is probably the best story of all of them. Um, In general, everything except for, actually, no, that's wrong. Um, Most of the teas were made from Satya tea. They are mainly blends that I had from before that I decided, let's try these. I think these will work well as iced teas. Let's see how they taste and go from there. Um, We have a classic black tea which just came out which this is a black tea with lemon that my distributor asked me to make mm-hmm. uh, just as a way of um, of uh, some customers I guess have come to them and said you know we'd like to switch to T North um, but we don't want to get rid of nest tea if there's no plain black tea that T North offers right so we have classic black tea funny story about the classic black tea I formulated it on paper I certified it organic, I had 26,000 labels made, and then I tried making it.
0: Cart before the horse,
1: a little. Right, a little bit, and actually, um, one day we were, I only made it maybe a month ago. Uh, For the first time, I handed a cup of it warm to my employee, and I said, here, try this, and he tasted it, he goes, oh yeah, that's really good. I was like, thank God! (laughs) Um, But, you but knew you
0: had a market for it you just had to configure it
1: right yeah but i had never made it i did definitely do it backwards because if it had turned out that it didn't work then i'd be screwed then i would have to reprint labels and i'd have to go back to my organic certifier and say i need to make a change what do i do you know but um blueberry rodeo this one <laughs> has actually a really nice story, which is we were at the Jazz Fest in 2017 selling tea and mm-hmm. Blue Rodeo was playing one night. That's and so uh, I decided I'm gonna go back to Riot. I'm gonna make a blueberry tea and in two and a half hours, somehow I'm gonna chill it, carbonate it, and get it back here so people can try it. And it was called Blueberry Rodeo. Same recipe that it is now and it's sold out in a matter of hours. And I was like, great. Welcome to the family.
0: That is, that is that's a pretty, pretty cool story. story.
1: And <laughs> on top of that, Blueberry Rodeo, oops, let me just, it's Blueberry Rodeo just won a silver medal in the Globalized Tea Championships in California. Wow. wow. Beating out Starbucks and Tivana. That's, that's pretty, pretty <laughs> I think it's cool. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and then um, about a week ago, um, Starbucks emails me asking if I can send them samples just so they can try it. And I was like, yeah, no, but that's cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, you might want to keep that one close to your heart.
1: A little bit, yeah, for now. Yeah. That's pretty
0: cool though, to even just to get an email from Starbucks to say, hey, uh, we think we need to try this.
1: Yeah, right, and I actually, I, um, I asked them why they wanted it and how they had heard of us because we're not in Washington, it was their head office in me, um, And they said, we saw you at the Globalized Tea Championships and currently we're just looking for inspiration. Right, in other words,
0: copy yeah. it.
1: Well, maybe, who's to say they wouldn't, but you know, they might. And I don't wanna sort of run that risk.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: You know, one of the things that I noticed after that email was I went back to the Globalized Tea Champions site and I looked up where they placed and they were all I believe all of their teas came in bronze, but then they have some sparkling teas that came in under us and I was like, Oh, you are coming out sparkling teas. So that is a thing that we I don't want to say we beat you to it, but us little dinky company in Nova Scotia definitely outdid you so mm-hmm. that's kind of cool
0: always kind of cool when somebody when a homegrown company beats the big guys to something always <laughs> always cool uh, okay so how because i am a social media consultant the second part of what i always want to ask people about is how is social media helping you build this brand
1: that's a great question um I feel like social media could be helping us build this brand even more, but uh, we had someone who worked with us on Instagram for a while, and then he left to do something else. And since that point, I've been in production, every day, all the time. So sometimes I'm here till three in the morning, which sucks. And um, I haven't had any time for social media. So what we're attempting to do now is launch an ambassador program Um, We've had a lot of interest from a few uh, not huge interest but some people have reached out some key people on Instagram and said We'd Mm -hmm. like to be brand ambassadors for you. And I said that'd be great. I'd love to have you Um, So I think that will be the direction that helps us go down social media a lot better Um, Especially as now we're talking to distributors out of the province help us found so
0: So just explain to people, what does it mean to be a brand ambassador? I mean, I, I know I'm a brand ambassador for
1: Hootsuite,
0: but sure. what would it mean if somebody was a brand ambassador for T-North?
1: I think it's, you know, it's it's you find a product you're interested in and you want to promote it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in return, we're sending you free tea, free swag, so then you can go and make posts about it to Help us spread the word of T North without sending to religious.
0: Right, it's kind of a long-term influencer relationship, right? They're sure. they're always talking about your product because they love it, right. um, and and they're supporting the marketing activities that you have it. But it's a little different than just paying an influencer to post one time or or paying an influencer to blog about you once. It's sure. It's a longer-term relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be interesting to watch because your stuff will be appearing all over the
1: world. Actually, two of the people that we're interested in working with right now, they intentionally travel a lot. And so I'm like, great. Take it. Go. Go places. Wonderful. Mm -hmm.
0: So, um, getting into some influencer marketing, and uh, I'm going to pop the links in for all of your social media so that people can can follow you if they want to. Um, what, I what? What's the biggest lesson you've learned from this being a startup in Halifax? What's the biggest business lesson you've learned so
1: far? Start a business in Halifax. I'm just kidding. Okay, we're going to edit that out. <laughs> no, it's, um, God, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, you know, I've worked for myself since I was 16. I'm 30 now. Um, you know, I've taken other jobs in the past as well, but um, I've worked in the music industry. I've worked in web. I've worked in tea. I've worked in a couple places and film as well. And um, I think the number one thing that, that is lost on people who are not entrepreneurs is um, the fact that it's hard. It's, it's not like you can just start a business and go, right? You know, you can't just leave your day job and assume everything's gonna work out and you're gonna be fine because you're not, because things are always gonna come up and at the end of the day, say you're working a desk job and something goes haywire, you still get a paycheck, usually. Something goes haywire in your own business, if you don't fix it, you're screwed. You know, um, it's, it's the hardest thing to have to cope with. It's nice to be able to make your own hours, it's nice to work for yourself, it's nice to be your own boss. It's not so nice to have to chase clients. It's not nice to have to write contracts, do your own accounting, do your own administration, do your own manufacturing, doing your own processing. Blah, 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 blah. You know, it's depending on what you do, of course, that variable changes a little bit. If you're making food, you know, realize you're gonna have to stay up some really long days, some really long hours to make sure what you're doing is safe for people, I mean, unless you're just making stuff silver, with sugar and you don't care. <laughs> there's
0: there's a great joke I saw on probably on Facebook a few years back that was something to the effect of entrepreneurs are the only people who leave a 40 hour a week job so they can choose which 80 hours they work. <laughs> so, and it's it's true. I think it's true for any small business, especially any kind of solopreneur or you know a small partnership where you're doing everything, um, you're putting in probably a lot more hours than you even realize, and definitely more than the 40 hours when you're starting out. So well, a for everybody, I think.
1: I would say at the moment, I work roughly an 80-hour week, every week. I am mm-hmm. not lost on working less than that. I am a big fan of the four-hour work week book, but sometimes that rule doesn't apply. Sometimes you can't do things like that. Sometimes you have to work. The stuff just doesn't get done. Right. Right. Hopefully it pays off. Hopefully you're not just working endlessly, tirelessly hurting your back. Yeah. You the,
0: the thing I dislike about the four hour work week and I have read it is I think it took him a long time to get to that point sure. or read that book and think they can, do the four hour work week next week, yeah, but it takes a long time to get to the point where you can outsource all of this stuff to other people and even just to find the right people it takes It takes time to do all of that so entrepreneurship is is long hours. What's the best thing about being an entrepreneur?
1: Oh my God, you get to make your own hours. <laughs> I mean, you know, this morning I uh, uh, had to get out here because I work, my web business is also based in my office at T because why you separate them? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had a client pick me up from my house today to drive us out here. And, but he was like, what time do you want to start? I was like, ah, oh, early. He goes, okay, like eight. I'm like, nah, 10 <laughs> Really? That's early to you? I'm like, it is today, man. Yeah. You know, there are days when I love to say I can take a day off because I'm the boss and I can do it. That's great. You know? I, I, I like the freedom that comes with being an entrepreneur. I don't like the restrictions of working for somebody else. I have difficulty with it. Um, that's why I worked freelance for so long, because that sort of puts me in the same bubble.
0: Right. You're unemployable. Yeah. Yeah, most entrepreneurs say that after a while, if they.
1: I mean, I don't like to say that. I like to say I'm employable because <laughs> if I get a job, by all means, I'll pull up my boots and do it. But um, yeah, I like the freedom of being an entrepreneur. Yes.
0: Now I tell people all the time, I am wholly unemployable. Now you can hire me to do things, but you, no. I, there's no way I could at this point go back to being on somebody else's schedule. Uh, no fulfilling somebody else's goals for their business right Uh, all of that stuff you get so much more fulfillment out of setting your own goals and meeting your own goals and building your own dream so if you don't build your dream you're building somebody else's
1: now there's a problem in what you just said um and the problem is is that not that that in itself is a problem but that motto is so widespread now you know that you know, people don't want to work for other people anymore, whether they're entrepreneurs or not. Like my generation, millennials, working for other people, that's a hard thing. They don't grasp that very well, right? I mean, that's not an insult, it's just common knowledge. And the issue with that is that it makes it really hard for me to hire people. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes it hard for me to hire people, one, because people are lazy, a lot of the time they want to be recognized for a lot of things for like the littlest of things. Like, I turned a pump on. Great. And.
0: And that's across all generations. It's, that's not a millennial thing. I, I don't believe that the millennial generation really is any lazier than my generation. Generation that makes me want Generation X. I, I don't think millennials are any lazier than Generation X they just work in a different way same as we worked in a different way than the baby boomers and the baby boomers thought we were lazy
1: yeah okay i see that but <laughs> i mean that's what the baby boomers think of millennials
0: it's it's definitely common to say things like that and to think that but i don't i don't believe it
1: okay that's fair know. you know the other thing that's hard for me is so on one hand it's how i see my generation working with me on the other hand it's me being from that generation saying, you know, if I'm of that mentality, I should assume that everyone is of that mentality of I don't want to work for somebody else's dreams. And so my one of my big things is let's automate as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I try. It's expensive as hell, but I try. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I wish I could do it more.
0: So okay, so I want to close out by asking you one last question: uh, What if, if you could give advice to somebody who is starting a business in tea, in food, in anything? What's your best startup advice for a small business?
1: It's a really hard thing to say for just mm-hmm. anything, you know. Like, uh, uh, I would say actually. Um, I'm gonna repeat advice that I got from somebody else, not directly to me, just I heard it. Um, Mark Cuban from Shark Tank. Yes. Had this whole thing where he, it wasn't on Shark Tank, he was just on YouTube and he was talking about small businesses taking out a loan. And he's like, if you're gonna start a small business, don't borrow money to to start a small business. Start it yourself, scrap to start it, figure it out, and then when you know it works, then talk about getting money getting investment to work on it and and i kind of wholeheartedly agree with that you know when i started Tea north i started it on about 500 um we made it in my kitchen and my girlfriend's kitchen and like the process in which we made tea used to be that we would put tea bags not tea bags but tea filters with tea in them sealed in big metal bowls about yay big and uh, see them in there, take the tea bags out, put them in a deep freezer, wait for them to cool down, put them in a pitcher and slowly pour them into each bottle. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it was really ridiculous, but it didn't cost anything. Right. Right. And I think my biggest problem is that too many entrepreneurs now want to do something and they're like, oh, I can do this, but I'm going to have to invest 80 grand just to try it. It was like, well, you could just make it in your kitchen and stick it in a store and see what happens. That would be better.
0: Uh, I had a very similar discussion with a client yesterday who has a great idea for a new app. Uh, she's She's got this thing that she does with her clients that would make an awesome app. And if you could go on her website and you could fill out the questions and have it calculate everything and produce results which many websites can do, but hers doesn't. She's, she was thinking, okay, this is, this is what millennials will expect. This is what advanced businesses expect from me. I need to do this. But development of an app could cost a lot of money, and she doesn't have the money to put towards that right now. She was holding herself back from launching good enough, minimum viable product, right? So you've got the minimum viable product, working in your kitchen, do that. Go yeah. do that for a while, prove that there's a market for your, your product or service, and then scale up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Don't scale up first. Now, you know what, I'll leave you with something. Um, this is very, no one knows about this. We've kept this quietly under the rug. Um, <laughs> we, uh, I have a, a software affiliation with a company, Absolutely. and um, they do a lot of work in the uh, uh, retail space and recently called me up and said, you know, I have a sales broker I'd like to connect you with and just see what happens. And I was like, okay, sure. And they went, great, he's based in Florida. And I went, okay, sure. So I get on the phone with this guy and uh, we have a great conversation. We hit it off really well and he's like, look, basically, People bring us their products all the time and they want us to represent them and we have this whole like four-month process where we assess them and we see if they need anything changed and then we take them to our suppliers our distributors and See if there's a market for it and all of that, but I don't want to do any of that with you. I want you to send me a sample of your tea and I want you to send the sample of your tea down to one of our distributors in Colorado And if they decide we want to work with this product, then we'll work with it. And if not, we won't. And no harm, no foul, you sent some samples, we did some talking, all good. So I sent down a sample to this distributor in Colorado and about three days after it arrived, I get a call from this broker and he goes, okay, so I didn't want to call until I had something solid to say. They did not like the tea. They love the tea. (laughs) Oh. Oh, Okay, (laughs) whoo. He's like, they would like to start you in 600 stores in Colorado. Wow. So that's coming soon. That's that's huge. That is huge. And then a couple days later, I got a call back from them saying that distributor took some of those samples to a meeting with a, I don't want to say who yet, but a very large hotel chain. They would like to use our product to put it in their hotels in 6,500 locations.
0: Well, like, like they to be needing some bigger space.
1: Yes. And then a week later, we got another call from the distributor saying, or from the broker saying, I have another company that needs to make a specialized iced tea and they want someone to do it. Would you be open to working with them? And I said, sure so we got on the phone with them and i really can't say who they are because that's still very quiet um but basically they said we have a, a certain kind of iced tea that we're trying to make you know can you develop a flavor profile for us for it and i said of course it can I'd be happy to do it where is it going and they said it's going to be distributed in every 7-eleven those are
0: huge moves for a small startup out of Halifax.
1: Right. So this is right on the point where we have just expanded into cams and have our own production facility and have been told that, you know, they said, what's your production capability capacity at maximum? And I said, Oh, we could, you know, at maximum, we could pump out a pallet a day. He's like, yeah, that's not going to be good enough. (laughs) I was like, great.
0: All right. So anybody that's looking for a job in Halifax, ah! hook up with David Moore at T North because he is going to be looking for some people soon to uh, help produce all of this carbonated tea to fit all of the, fill all of these um, all these orders, and uh, you're going to need some help for that.
1: I might need some help. I have some help right now. The thing is that. You know, in order for us to expand and need more people, we need more equipment. Um, and it's really like with the equipment that we have now, adding another person wouldn't make it any better. We're pretty efficient at with what we have now. We need to find more investment to expand more so we can fulfill everything that the states wants. You know, they've come to us and said, you know, let's establish Colorado and then let's take you to California. And I'm like, wait a second. You've gotta wait. It's that you've gotta slow down. That's too much. California is the fifth largest economy on the planet. Like I cannot do that right now. You know? So, not
0: right now.
1: Not right now, but soon.
0: Yeah. You can you'll be doing it soon. Yeah. Well, that's really exciting. And I wanna, I wanna end the show on a really positive note. So I'm really excited to hear about all of those expansion possibilities for T North and I'm sure you know when those happen and when you're able to talk about the companies that you're working with, we'll probably hear lots about that from the investors who are definitely going to come in and help you with that and from all of the people that want to talk about how great it is to start a business in Halifax. So. Thank you for joining me today and sharing the story of how T-North got started and where the flavors came from and how you went from bottles plastic to glass to cans and where you're going next. That's very exciting and I'm really happy to hear that, uh, that you're going to be expanding like that.
1: Well, thanks for having me.
0: Great. Thanks for joining. And uh, for everybody else, I'll see you back next Friday. We'll be live again next Friday on the Twerp Communications Facebook page with our next guest. So we'll see you there every Friday at 1.30 p.m. Atlantic. Thanks for joining us.